everyone. Welcome to the Meditation Mama podcast. My name is Karen Prentice, and we've got some questions that have come after last week's, week's episode, and I, I, I chose two of them. I think they're great questions. The first one is, wait, comma, are you saying I never have to sit to meditate? Question mark. It was an excellent question. And the second one was, how do I show up for my life? I mean, that's a really big question, right? How do I show up for my life? And so what I'd love to do is let's get back to, let's start by going back to this idea that the way to become a meditator is not the traditional image you have in your head where you're going to be sitting in what we call formal meditation on your cushion with your hands in, you know, Om Mudra, and just feeling all this serenity and peace and joy, and your mind has no thoughts in it. This is the myth of what it means to be a meditator. The reality of being a meditator is let's take that those skills we're learning and use them. <laughs> let's just use them in our life. And oftentimes it's called doing that is called informal meditation. And what I want to kind of turn that for you and say that, you know, let's look at it another way. What if sitting to meditate is the equivalent of if you're about to be in a golf tournament or just go play a, you know, 18 holes of golf with your friend, you spend some time on the driving range practicing your swing. You spend some time, you know, on the putting, do they call it? They don't call it the putting green. You know, just kind of practicing putting. If you're a tennis player, you spend some time, you know, on the backboard or with the machines, just practicing your forehand, practicing your backhand, practicing the volley, practicing your serve, and then you go and play a game. Then you get on the court and play the game. If you are a dancer, you spend some time practicing your turns, practicing your jumps, practicing your steps and your moves. You practice. You practice in the studio with the mirror, with the bar. You practice. And then you go out and you perform or you go out and you just dance, 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 right? There's practice. And then there's doing it. And what I want to just kind of help us switch in our mind is that when we're sitting in meditation, that's our practice. Practicing the skill of building the muscle in our mind that recognizes what our mind is doing and then brings it back to what we choose to have our mind focusing on. And when we get up from this cushion, we are actually bringing ourselves onto the field. Let's just call it the field of life. And once we're on the field of life, we're showing up for whatever game is being played that day. Or some people think of it as the battle. We're on the battlefield. I would prefer to think of it as the game. But either one works, and depending on what's going on for you, some days it feels like a battlefield. Some days it feels like you're playing a game. But either way, 
that showing up for your life as it is, this is this is where this is where it matters. All that training is so that you can show up in your life. Okay. So so do we not sit? No, no, we do sit. But two important things. We sit because we enjoy it. We sit because we want to. And so someday at some point, you will probably set up a little meditation spot for yourself, whether it's a cushion on the floor or whether it's a chair that's that's the right height and comfortable for you. And this is great. This is your meditation spot. And what we want to do is sit in meditation because we like it. You take a bath because you like it. You go to your favorite restaurant because you like it. You enjoy it. That's how we want to start to feel about meditation. And one of the biggest things that keeps us from feeling that is the guilt. If you've put it in your mind that you're going to meditate every day, every day, every day, the guilt, oh my gosh, the guilt we carry all day long when we don't sit is debilitating. It's exhausting. All we do all day long is say, I didn't meditate. I need to meditate. I didn't meditate. I need to meditate. We get home. We There's too much going on. We can't sit to meditate. We Finally, everything's done and we're ready to go to bed and we're just too exhausted and tired. And the guilt we carry when we don't do what in our head is meditate every day, that that un, maybe unrealistic goal we set up for ourselves, you know, that's what's destructive is the guilt. So I learned after years and years of carrying this guilt, oh, just let it go, Karen. Don't Just don't feel guilty about it. And learn to enjoy your practice. Because I think sometimes what goes along with the guilt is this sense that we're supposed to sit out of a duty. It's something we have to do is sit every day. And when you set up that kind of a have to, it can be pretty, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, well, then it's, you're not doing it because you want to, you're doing it because you have to. And when we do something because we have to, well, that's a whole other thing, isn't it? And so I was taught to meditate because you enjoy it and to sit only as long as you enjoy it. And what I learned on my own was that if I can't sit, don't feel guilty, Karen. You're using your meditation in your day. I'm, I'm bringing these skills to the field, <laughs> and I am using them real time, real time. Okay, so so I hope that made some sense. But what I want to do now is take that, and let's say, what is if you're going to enter the field and just bring your meditation, bring your meditation to the game, showing up for your life, what's the first thing you want to do is show up for the life that's actually happening in front of you. Okay, when you get onto the field and they're playing football, you don't sit there and say, wait a minute, I want to play baseball. I don't like this game. When you get on the court and they're playing basketball, you don't say, no, 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 I want to play tennis. When you go to the, the field and it turns out it's a swimming competition, that today we're swimming, you don't sit there and go, wait, no, 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 I want to play golf. We want to show up for the what is happening in front of us. And how do we show up? That's the question. How do we show up? 
we learn one of the first primary principles of being a meditator that we bring into our life, which is the principle of non-resistance, which is another way of saying just stop resisting your life. That's how we show up for the life we're living. We stop resisting. Okay, so now you're going, okay, wait, wait, wait. What do you mean I'm resisting my life? I'm not resisting my life. I'm going, well, okay. How do we have, what are the signs that we're resisting our life? The signs that we're resisting our life are things like, I wish my husband wasn't such an asshole. I wish my mother wasn't so controlling. I wish my kid would just pick up their clothes and put them in the hamper. I wish my boss would just communicate with me more clearly about what, what she wants. Those are signs you're resisting your life. Shoulds, right and wrong, good and bad. I don't want that. I want something else. Those are, those are examples of how we resist our life. And I know, you know, these are, these are not easy teachings, but I'm going to tell you right now, this shit works. This shit really works. If you can learn to see where you're resisting your life and see what it is you're resisting, that's putting you on the field in a way where, oh, oh, you're going to learn, you're going to be able to learn how to, to be on the field with enjoyment, with equanimity. And with wisdom, because you're going to learn how to see things as they really are, not how in your mind you want them to be, or in your fantasies you're thinking they should be. The very first thing we want to do is learn to see life as it is. And the way we do that, step one towards doing that is stop resisting. So. When I was a mother of four kids, and they were all in their younger years, I had a lot of resistance to something, and it was called spilled milk. I hated spilled milk. Nothing could set me off, like if they spilled the milk, right? Because the milk, they'd spill it, it would go through the cracks in the table, it would dribble all onto the floor, it would get all over everything on the table, and anything, chairs or people that it hit, and cleaning up the milk... <laughs> You clean it up with the sponge, and it's not just one wipe, right? It's the table, it's everything, and the sponge would stink. No matter how much you rinsed it, the sponge would end up stinking. So I just I just hated spilled milk. It would set me off big time to the point where my kids, this was a little mantra we had going. I would say, what does mom hate most of all? Spilled milk. What does mom hate most of all? Spilled milk. And everybody knew the milk smelled, I was going to lose my shit, right? Because I hated it. I didn't want to have to clean it up and everything went with it. Okay, got the point? Okay. So I'm working on non-resistance. And I'm working on non-resistance. And part of what I'm learning is that I don't like the inconvenience of this spilled milk. Because inevitably it spills just as we're supposed to be walking out the door. And if we don't get out the door, people are going to be late, whatever it might be, people might have to change their clothes, it gets complicated, right? 
So if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm very happy for you. But so, so this was one of those moments where this is where I, I was applying it was recognizing, wait, Karen, I've created this whole story around spilled milk. I don't want to be inconvenienced by it. The sponge is going to stink. All of this. And one day, for whatever reasons, I was driving the kids to school that day. They usually walked or took a bus, but I was driving and the milk went. And I'm working on this, show up for your life, Karen. Don't resist, don't resist. And the milk spilled. And at that moment, I had this awareness. It's just spilled milk, Karen. Just clean it up. It's just spilled milk. Clean it up. It's that simple. So I got the sponge and I was cleaning up. And of course, the kids don't want to help. They're terrified I'm going to blow, but I don't blow. I just start cleaning up the milk. And guess what happened? Well, they were a little shocked. They didn't quite know what to do. But without me yelling and turning it into, you know, this whole big thing, blaming somebody for the milk and because of them, we're going to be late and laying all of that. It was just, I just cleaned up the milk. They kind of got up from the table. I said, let's go get yourself ready where, so we can make, we can try and get to school on time. And I just cleaned up the milk and I put the sponge in the sink and we're going out of the house. And in my head, I'm going, well, if they're late, they're late. If they're, you know, it's what, you know, it's going to be what it is. And we had a nice ride to school. It wasn't that type of ride to school where they're sitting there, you know, feeling like pieces of shit because I've blamed them for my misery and everything that's gone on. And it was a whole different experience going to school. And they weren't late after all, right? It was it was a moment for me. I mean, I still remember it, right? It was like, oh, it's just spilled milk. And so what I want to give you some little tools here, if you're going to start re stop resisting your life as it is, is to recognize that when you get on the field, you're going to think the game is this and this is what you're going to be doing. But life has a way of inconveniencing us. And if you're showing up for your life, I guarantee you, you will be inconvenienced. And so I would suggest you just put this in capital letters somewhere and accept this as a truth of life. <laughs> you will be inconvenienced. If there are other people in your life, you will be inconvenienced. And our skill as meditators is to recognize that, oh, I thought I was going to get this finished by three o'clock, but no, all of a sudden I've gotten a call and I need to be doing this and this and showing up for some unexpected event. And I can get upset about it. I can get irritated about it, or I can go, oh, I'm not going to get what I wanted done, I need to show up for someone else. Now, I left that purposely vague because I think it's really important for us to recognize in our own minds the, the agendas we have, the things that we want to go our way, to do our way. And when another need comes in, somebody else comes in, we can get angry, we can get irritable. But a meditator 
is developing the skill of going, oh, this just showed up and needs my attention. Can I do it with kindness and patience and grace? I'm hoping this is making some sense. And what I'm going to do to maybe just help bring this idea, how important letting go of our resistance to life as it is, is to just kind of point out a couple places where we tend to have a lot of resistance. We have a lot of resistance to the people in our lives being the way they are. The nature of a project that involves people, which means that the nature of any kind of project is that it's probably going to take longer than you expected. The nature of people, which is that people are human, things happen, things don't get done on schedule, things don't get done the way we want them to. And so if we can just start to recognize, oh, people are who they are, and stop trying to turn them into something they're not, that's a really important realm of working on non-resistance. And I, I playfully will put it this way, you know, it's like we can look at a cat. A cat is a cat is a cat, right? We can say to that cat, I want you to bark like a dog. I don't want you to be a cat. I want you to bark like a dog. And I want you to be affectionate and let me pet you like a dog. And the cat, no matter what you do, is meow, meow, meow. It's never going to bark like a dog. And if you keep trying to turn it into a dog, you are going to get frustrated, angry, and feel completely, completely angry, frustrated, impatient, or perhaps even like a failure, right? Whereas if we can just get it, the cat is going to cat, and the dog is going to dog. Dogs bark. Dogs want to be petted. Dogs want to just be with you. Maybe a cat. Cats meow. Cats may not like to be petted. And the sooner we can accept that nature of something as it is, the nature of our partner as they are, the nature of our kids as they are, the nature of our co-workers as they are, the nature of our bosses as they are, the sooner we can start to recognize what we're resisting in them. That's how we're going to learn to not resist the nature of things as they are. Okay, that was a big one. So here's what I want to leave you with. I want to leave you with one last thought. I'm going to tell you the story of how I really, really learned about resistance. Because I know stories help a lot. And it was just probably back in 94. And I had a nightmare. And in this nightmare, I was just walking along outside. And there were, there were bushes and things around me. And all of a sudden, this big, dark, vortex of dark, dark darkness was right above my head. And I looked up and it terrified me. It terrified me. And I was trying to get away from it, but it started to descend and it started to just take over me and it just descended and I was resisting it and I was fighting it and I didn't want any part of it. And I was trapped in it. And in my dream, I was screaming for help, but in my reality, I was 
asleep and I couldn't wake up. I couldn't wake up. And if you've ever had a dream like that, you know, it's terrifying. And I couldn't speak. I couldn't wake up. And I was trying to scream for my husband to come and wake me up. Help me, help me. And finally, finally, I mean, I was paralyzed, right? I, I, I'm sure some of you have had this experience. And eventually, eventually, with huge panic, I finally busted out of it. And my I was making enough noise. My husband woke up and he woke me up. And I was terrified, cold, sweaty terror. And he just held me, but I couldn't go back to sleep. I was, I was completely, completely terrified by this dream. And it just so happened that the day next day or a couple days later, we were going to a church where the minister was having dialogues with people of other religions, other faiths. And the speaker that Sunday was a Buddhist monk. And I don't remember what he said, but something about what he said. He was a therapist, a counselor. And I thought to myself, I'm going to ask him to help me figure this dream out because it was really bothering me. So I talked with him after the service and he gave me his number and uh, we set up an appointment, gave me his address. And I was, I went to go see him, took a 45 minute drive. I went in to, we were living outside of Portland, drove into Portland to his, to where he was. He was working out of his home. And it was a little guy, American guy, right? But I went in and when I walked into his apartment, the room was empty except for a cushion and right in front of it, another cushion. And it was very clear that he sits on the one and I was to sit on the other cushion. So I sat on the other cushion and he says to me, so why are you here? What's going on? And I told him about my dream. And I told him the whole story of even more detail than I've told you. And at the end of it, he looked at me and just looked at me for a moment. And then he said, why did you resist? And at that moment, I just, my whole body just tingled. And it's like everything dropped out from underneath me. And I had this moment of recognizing, oh, that's the answer. Why did I resist? And I just looked at him. And I knew that was it. That the answer was the question. And he, I literally went, just went, oh, oh. And I pulled out my checkbook and I wrote him a check for $50, $50 for 10 minutes, right? Or maybe it was 15 minutes. Which in those days, I got to tell you, it's not like we were rolling in money of any kind. I wasn't working. My husband was the only person bringing any money. 50 bucks, four kids. That was a big deal. But I wrote him that check and I handed it to him and I just said, thank you. And I left. And what I'd realized was that my journey at this point was to stop resisting my life. Just stop resisting. And so I started every morning, I would get up on the field, I would wake up and I would go, okay, 
this is what I want to get done today, but I'm going to show up for my life as it is. I would literally have this thought. Today, I want to get the bills paid. I need to get to the store. I need to do this for the, this. I need to do this for this. And this is my agenda. And then I would say, but I'm going to show up for my life. So whatever comes onto my plate today, I'm going to try and show up for that without resistance. And this is when the milk happened, right? That moment. And when I realized that it changed the whole morning without me screaming and angry and pitching the, you know, the rage fit. It was a whole different experience. The kids went to school, not feeling like little, you know, they were the cause of my misery and unhappiness. It was a more pleasant ride. It was a more pleasant start for the day for them. And I started little by little, showing up on the field of my life without resistance. And so that's what I want to offer you. This shirt works, folks. And how do you, how do you, the place to start is just simply start noticing. If you're starting to get irritable, you're starting to feel impatient. If you're starting to feel like this isn't what I want. I want that. I want that, right? That thought. Or just, I wish somebody was different or, you know, really shouldn't be that way. Those are your keys, your clues that we're moving into resistance. And better than sitting for 10 or 20 minutes in the morning is the developing the skill of showing up on the playing field of your life for the game that's being played. And if something comes in in the middle and changes the game, instead of resisting it, we go, okay, all right, this is what we're doing now. And if we just start there, my dears, if we just start there, show up for your life, stop resisting. And the way to stop resisting is to first just notice, what are you resisting? Uh, we don't have to even go past that. Right now, just notice what you are resisting. And we can talk about what to do once you notice you're, what you're resisting. We can talk about those skills for how to let go of resistance on another podcast. So I hope this was helpful. I hope this gave you a little different way of looking at the world, looking at your life, the way a meditator was, would, does. Because you can be a meditator too. All right. That's what I have for today. Thank you so much for being with me. And I hope we can be together again on one of our future podcasts. Have a lovely week, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I do hope you found something that was helpful or meaningful or maybe even inspiring. If you have any questions, please email me at podcast at meditationmama, M-O-M-M-A dot com and I'll be sure to answer them on one of our upcoming episodes. And in the meantime, let's all just take a moment to oh, just let our attention drop into that heart center, to that heart center. And let's take this thought with us into the rest of our day, the rest of our week.
I be free? Living with kindness in sweet harmony.